Good morning, beloved Orangewood. Oh, how wonderful and marvelous it is to worship our great God together. If you have your Bible, if you'll turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at uh, one of the epistles that Paul wrote. Uh, let me tell you, Corinth is an amazingly beautiful place uh, outside of Athens uh, on the Aegean Sea. I uh, wish I could take you there. We were there uh, in our sabbatical this year, and what a glorious place that is. And, but more glorious is God's word for us this morning. Uh, incredible, inspired word of the Holy Spirit uh, for you, for me, not just for those in Corinth. Although it was written a long time ago, here's the good news. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, God has you here. And boy, does he uh, love you and want to speak to your heart through his word. So let's, let's start and let's just turn our hearts to God and ask him to come and ask him to speak and be with us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, loving Father, oh, how marvelous and oh, how wonderful is your love for sinners like us. You couldn't love us more and you'll never love us less. Oh, how marvelous and how wonderful that you would demonstrate that love so clearly that that you would send your only begotten son, Jesus, to come and to rescue us. Oh, Jesus, how marvelous and how wonderful you are. Marvelous is God in the flesh. Marvelous as the only Savior of the world. Marvelous and wonderful is our King, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, how marvelous and wonderful you are, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would rest upon those the Father loves, that you would come and that you would indwell those the Son has died for, and that you would be here with us. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful it is not only to know your love, but to share your love with one another. So God, come and be with us. Come and remind us of just how wonderful you are and how marvelous it is to be loved by you. God, I pray that if there's someone here this morning that doesn't yet know, doesn't yet know how marvelous and wonderful you are, that today you give each and every one of us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to embrace your marvelous love. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our world is in turmoil. Our world is in turmoil again. Uh, it seems like we find ourselves here often. Uh, there's uh, crazy things that are happening around the world. We know in the Gaza Strip, the Israelis and the Palestinians, well, they're, they're fighting again. Uh, what's the hope of that resolution? It doesn't look very good for sure. And how about the persecution of Christians I hope and pray, church, that you're aware of this, that our brothers and sisters around the world are, are being persecuted and killed uh, in Iraq. Uh, reports are coming out of there of uh, some uh, extreme Muslims who are beheading even children, uh, young people uh, uh, who claim the name of Jesus. Uh, our own government has now had airstrikes back into Iraq. We're back. Uh, how long will that go on? Uh, Syria is in trouble. Uh, Syria has been a mess for a while. Uh, how about the Ukraine? Uh, what's happening with Russia and the Ukraine and planes being shot out of the sky and the skirmishes and the war that goes on there? Uh, North Korea continues to be a problem. I mean, what do we do with North Korea and, and that place? And then we have Ebola. 
Um, the World Health Organization has said this is serious. This is a worldwide threat um, that really resources need to be marshaled. And uh, we realize that this terrible disease is taking lives at, at huge numbers. What do we do? I mean, I don't mean to start off being a bummer, but hey, this is the, the world we live in, church. And this is the world we live in. And, and where do we look? Where do we look to help? I mean, to solve the world's problems. I mean, what power is there? What power is there that, that can really bring hope to this entire world? Not just hope to, to us here in the States, but is there a power that really can help bring resolution to what's going on in the world? Uh, who do we look to to lead us out of the chaos? I mean, who's got that kind of wisdom? One thing about traveling internationally, you realize multicultural stuff's hard. People see the world differently than we do. Who's got the wisdom to really bring the whole entire world to peace? Who's got that kind of wisdom that can cross culturally and and go into all lands? Let's talk not only about the world out there, but let's talk about our own lives. How about our lives personally, our own worlds? And as we worship together, and oh, it's been really, truly, truly amazing. I, I love looking around and seeing your faces, and I, and I love knowing your stories. But the heartbreak is real, because I know many of your stories. And I know that many of your own personal worlds are, are filled with brokenness and chaos. And many of the marriages, even right here, they may look good, but many of the marriages are at a point of breaking. And some of our marriages, they, they've been a sham for a really long time. You know, a lot of our kids uh, are, are wandering. A lot of our kids uh, are so addicted to what the world has to offer. The gospel seems to be so far from them. I mean, all of our addictions. Don't tell you sometimes wonder, are the addictions winning? I mean, there's so many of us so addicted to porn or so addicted to alcohol or so addicted to materialism. How about the chaos of our own worlds? I mean, who's got the power? Who's got the power to change that brokenness? I mean, who's got the wisdom, the wisdom to speak into our lives that seem so radically out of control? Who can do it? Well, I know one thing for sure. My hope rests in nothing less than John F. Kennedy. And I'm not talking about the spirit of John F. Kennedy, and I'm not talking about uh, the ideas of John F. Kennedy, that my hope rests in John F. Kennedy. Now, you're sitting there thinking, okay, where's he going with this? Because he's either lost his mind, this might be my last service here, what, what is he saying? Where is he leading us? Because if I say my hope is in John F. Kennedy, you will say I'm crazy. Why? Because John F. Kennedy is an assassinated president. He's dead. And no matter how wonderful his views were, and no matter what things he was able to do, I mean, John F. Kennedy, what kind of hope is that? It's kind of a, a dead hope, wouldn't you say? You see, it was during the turmoil of Paul's life, during the chaos of everything around him, that he would declare to the church in Corinth, and he would declare to us this. He would say that I have decided, I have resolved, I've made a judgment, that I will know nothing except that Jesus Christ and him crucified. That Paul would say, I'm going to place all of my hope, all of my trust, all of my being in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ and his person and his work is my only hope. So he will say, I will know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. And when he declared that, he was saying so much. He said, 
This gospel of Jesus Christ, this will be my worldview. This will be my living hope. This is the way I'm going to live and move and have my very being. And he was basically saying this, I place everything on Christ and him crucified. He was saying this, my hope is in an executed king. My hope is in a crucified savior. Now, if you've been around church, when you hear things like Christ and Christ crucified, you say, oh, yeah, 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 that's, that's his whole story. But if you were in Corinth and you were trying to wrestle with the problems of the day and some saying, we got to follow Peter or we need, to, we need to follow Paul or Apollos or we need this worldview or that worldview. And he says, no, 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 we don't need anything of that. All we need is Jesus and him crucified. They'd be thinking, wait a minute, Romans killed him, right? That's the guy that was crucified on the tree, that's your hope? That's your living hope? It sounded to them like me saying to you, I'm hoping in John F. Kennedy. Saying that, that, that the fellow's dead. But the reality was, is he was alive, there's good news, and he was the only hope for the church of Corinth. Not only was he the only hope for the church of Corinth, He is the only hope for the church at Orangewood. And he is the only hope for the world. He is the only hope for your life in darkness, the chaos of your story. Jesus is the only hope. Do you believe it? And if that's the reality of Paul's life, is he knew it. So because of that, he says, I decided, I made a decision, a judgment call, that I would know nothing while I'm among you. Everything of life would go through one filter. Jesus is the Christ. And he was crucified. But because of that, we have a living hope. He is truly the only hope of the world. And Paul would have this amazing laser sharp focus of all of his life. All of life would pass through that one filter of Christ. But not only that, not only would would Paul have such an amazing laser focus that know nothing but Christ and him crucified? That gospel had a worldwide application. The same Paul who said, I'll know nothing but Christ said this. This is, listen to how staggering this. I will become all things. I will become all things to all people by all means that I might win some for Jesus Christ. The one who had such a laser focus had such a worldwide application said basically means this. We should see all of life through the gospel and all of life should apply. The gospel should apply to all of life. There shouldn't be anything in your life and my life that isn't affected with this good news. That is what Paul was saying. While I was on sabbatical, man, the great things we were able to see as we trace the steps of Paul and his missionary journeys, as we learned so much and we opened up God's word and we read stories of where he was and what was happening, I tell you, the most profound thing I learned, the greatest lesson that was pressed into my heart, the thing that was staggering to me, and it wasn't new, but it became crystal clear like I saw truth for the first time, was this characteristic of Paul, that he would say this, no matter where he went, I decided to know nothing, nothing wherever I went, except for Jesus Christ and his, him crucified. And I decided to become all things to all people, by all means, that some may come to know Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to take you to two passages 
in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that will show us the mindset of Paul, that will show us how he lived his life and how we should live ours, how he applied the gospel through everything and to everything. Let's hear God's word. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 4. I strongly encourage you to to make a note here and go back today or sometime soon and read the first chapter of of, uh, Corinthians. It really sets up what's happening in the second chapter. But then we're going to turn to chapter 9 and look at verses 19 through 23. Although this was a letter written for a specific church at a specific time, it was words inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because of that, this is God's word. It's living and active. And it's for you. It's for you here and now in the chaos of your own life and this world around us. Let's hear God's word. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. And I, Paul, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's turn to chapter 9 and pick up this letter in nine nineteen through 23. Paul says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that completely and utterly changed Paul's life. That he, by your grace, was now able to see all things through the eyes and the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified. And not only was he able to see that the world around him was so desperate without Jesus and that they needed so much to know Jesus as the Christ, the crucified one, that he would love you and he would love others so much that he would become all things to all people by all means to win some for Jesus. Father, I pray for your glory and for the health of your church that you would give me the focus that Paul had for the gospel. Give each one of us the ability to see our world around us, our personal world in this world, through the lens of Jesus Christ. And that God, that you would use the church to become all things to those around us so that others can share in this blessing. Father, would you give us ears to hear your voice? 
Would you give us minds to understand your word? Would you give us hearts to embrace your truth? Would you empower us with feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name? The things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may they fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true, that contain the good news of the gospel, may you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. When Paul was saying that he decided, he made this conscious decision to know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified, that can be a bit misleading. Because Paul really knew a lot. Let me stop and say this. You know the world thinks we're pretty crazy, right? That we're basing our our hope in a guy named Jesus that somehow a death on the cross would set us free. And the world would say that, that we have stopped our ears and we don't want to look at truth and we don't want to look at the real solutions of the world, that we're very simple people, that somehow we've been bamboozled and, and somehow we've bought a bill of goods that will say that everything is about Jesus and somehow that we don't have our arms around all truth, that we are simple-minded. But this isn't Paul. When Paul says, I know nothing but Christ and him crucified, he was basically saying, this is going to be what I stand upon. This is going to be my hope. This is how I'm going to base my life. And I'm going to pass everything through it. But Paul knew so much. I mean, the knowledge this guy had was absolutely staggering. When you follow Paul's journeys, and all you have to do is read through the book of Acts, you'll realize that there's a pattern to Paul's life. Paul would go into a new city. He felt called to, to tell those who had never heard the news of Jesus. And the first place Paul would always go was the synagogue. He would go to the place where the Jews had gathered to worship the one true and living God. And they didn't know the truth of that one true living God, that Jesus was a part of that one true and living God. So when Paul went into the synagogues, here is the one who says, I know nothing but Christ. He would take their scripture, their Torah, their law, and he would open it up and he would begin with Moses and all of the prophets and he would prove that Jesus was the Christ to those in their setting using their text. Amazing. Paul being a Pharisee himself, Paul knowing so much of what we call the Old Testament, knew And how to take all of that and say, listen, it all goes through the filter of Jesus. Everything that Moses talked about gets fulfilled in Jesus. All the prophets' hopes gets fulfilled in Jesus. I mean, Jesus is this whole storybook's about him. So Paul, who knew nothing, knew a lot about God's word. And wow, did it come alive. Not only that, in the book of Acts, Acts 17, 17 said it was not only Paul's uh, uh, tradition, uh, custom to go to the synagogues. It said this, day by day, he would go to the marketplace. And in the marketplace, he would also prove that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the hope, day by day. One of the coolest places that we went to uh, in Athens was Mars Hill. And at Mars Hill uh, was a gathering of philosophers of the day. And Mars Hill, they loved to hear, what's the latest out there? What's the newest, the latest, the greatest things to, to live your life? How should you live your life? And how should you be? What's the philosophy out there? Well, Paul made his way to Mars Hill. And they said, we got to hear from you. And he basically would say, Jesus Christ in him crucified is the only hope. But do you know what he used? Incredible. 
he quoted their poets. He quoted their philosophers. He became all things to all people to win some for Christ. I mean, so when he says, I know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified, this isn't a simpleton who didn't know what was going on in the world. This was an amazing warrior for Christ who could take the philosophy of the world, bring it through the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, this is our only hope. Wow, that's what was so impressive about Paul. It was staggering. You know, one of the joys of being on sabbatical is, is being in a place like Istanbul. We have a ministry partner there named Tour Guy. And Tour Guy, a former Muslim who's come to Christ. And Tour Guy is an evangelical Presbyterian minister in a city of, ready for this, 17 million people. Istanbul's basically the same population as the state of Florida in one city. And he's one of very, very few uh, evangelical pastors in the entire city. And to watch him just say, for me, I only know one thing, is that is in a Muslim culture, Jesus Christ and his crucified. But to watch him take that truth and say, I'll become all things to all people and apply that truth to a Muslim culture. We were invited in because every day he opens up his church. Every morning they have morning prayer. Well, guess what? What are the Muslims doing? They got morning prayer. What is tour guide doing? He's got morning prayer. And it felt a little bit different to me. It was, it was more liturgical than I'm used to. It was more formal. Uh, I certainly know how you go somewhere and you don't feel like you know exactly what's going on. But you know what was beautiful? It was the aroma of Christ. And it was taking the unchanging truth of the gospel and applying it to the, the, the culture around them. That's, that's what Paul is doing. And then we went to Athens and it's incredible ministry going on there by Tim and, and Alex and their spouses. And, and what they did, they planted a church right in the middle of this anarchist area of Athens. Uh, this is called Exarxia. And they are there in Exarxia. And this is an area that they're against everything. <laughs> I mean, they don't want to just embrace the whole worldview. They just want to reject everything. Oh, you got some authority. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. And being with Alex, we went by this one center pub where they love to hang out, they love to argue, and they love to be against everything. And he says, I spend almost all my time in there. He says, they call me their pastor. I said, that's about the coolest thing I've ever heard. I just think that you were going to go in there and say, I know nothing but Christ and him crucified. I know nothing but the fact that Jesus is the only hope of the world, but I want to become all things to all people to win some for Christ. And they'll say, tell us more about this, Jesus. This is what Paul was doing. When he said, knowing nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified, he's basically saying that we need to see all things through the lens of the gospel, that he really is the hope of the world. Let's go back to the Paul's letters. Let's go back to second, or 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is saying why he only knows Christ and Christ crucified. In verse 24, it says this, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. He's basically saying, what is the hope of the world? It's Jesus, God in flesh. I mean, God in flesh, the power of God that, that speaks and creates everything, the power of God that holds everything, the power of God manifests itself in Jesus Christ alone. That Jesus is the power of God. But he even says in verse 24, he's more, he's, he's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God that names all the stars. The, the wisdom of God that rules and reigns all things. 
is bodily found in Jesus. The wisdom of God that would draw sinners like us into the Father's presence is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. But a few verses earlier, he says something quite astounding about this power of God found in Jesus. Verse 18 says this, For the word of the cross, this Jesus Christ crucified, this cross, it's folly to those who are perishing. It's crazy. You believe in a crucified Savior? But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And what he is basically saying is this, this cross of Christ, I know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. The cross is the place that God brings peace, holy God, with sinners like us. The cross of Christ is the place that reconciliation of this world takes place and the only place it'll ever take place. The power of God is seen for sinners like us to be set free and to be loved and to be reconciled alone in the person of Christ, alone in the work of Christ, alone in the death of Christ. That's why he'll be able to say, I want to know nothing. I mean, there's, there's no philosophy out there. It's not Jesus and anything. I think that's where we live right here, church. I think we live in a time where we like Jesus and we need a savior and we don't mind his teachings, but tell us something new. I mean, my life is dark. There's some things that are broken. Give me Jesus, but give me something more. What's out there? And Paul's saying nothing. There's nothing. It's not about following Paul or Apollos. or It's about Jesus. I mean, again, Paul's not saying that we shouldn't know the wisdom of the world. He knew it. But what was his hope based on? Nothing less than Jesus Christ crucified. Knowing him and him alone. But there's even more. Not only did he see all things uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that Jesus is the power of God and he is the wisdom of God, but look, look at this. That if you are a follower of Christ, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, Scripture calls you as being in Christ. You're in a relationship with Christ. Now, 2.5 or or, or 1.30 says this, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, those of us who believe, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Wow. This is basically saying this, is that Jesus is not only the power and the wisdom of God, but in Christ Jesus, Jesus is our wisdom. He's our wisdom. He's our way to live. He's our way to be and have our our hope. But it says more than that, that Jesus is our righteousness. He's basically saying that, that we aren't trying to just earn our way to heaven, that we're not trying to do better. Life isn't like, okay, wake up tomorrow and try not to mess it up too bad. I mean, Christianity is this. Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, has given this incredible exchange on the cross where he took your junk and sin and he gives you his righteousness. Now, according to this, we wear not just the righteousness of man. You ready for this? We wear the very righteousness of God. Whoa. You know what this means? We owe God's law nothing. Nothing. It's been satisfied. We owe God's grace everything. Jesus, he is our righteousness. And because of that, the Father forever wears a smile over your life. 
yes, you're a mess. Yes, you've messed it up. And you know what? You're going to do it tomorrow. But if it was your righteousness that you had to stand before the Father, fret. But he's saying, no, no, Jesus Christ, all I know is him and him crucified. Why? Because he is my righteousness. But it says even more, he's my sanctification. It's basically saying he's my holiness. It's basically, you ready for this? This is scandalously good. He's saying that Christ Jesus is the one who will make us holy. He is the one who's got a grip on us that has so radically changed us and that one day we really will be glorified in his presence. And guess what it basically says? He's our sanctification. He's not letting you go. He's not going to let you go. And some of you have run far and some of you have been in some dark places and quit it. But the hope isn't in you. The hope isn't in you. The hope is in him. Why? Because not only is Jesus uh, uh, incredibly our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, he's our redemption. In him, we've been set free. In him, we've been made new. In him, we have been redeemed. And so Paul could go into Corinth and say, man, you could talk about that worldview and you could talk about this worldview and you could talk about this philosophy. For me, I just want to know Jesus. I mean, for me, I'm deciding it's all about Christ and him crucified. And with that, he's set free. Saying, that's my hope. That's my philosophy. That's my worldview. That's my agenda. He's basically fulfilling the Lord's prayer that says, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Secondly, becoming all things to all people. Basically, what Paul is saying is, not only am I going to see the whole world through the lens of the gospel, I'm going to apply the gospel to everything in my life. There's not going to be one corner of my life that the gospel is not going to touch. And specifically, I'm going to apply it to all things in all people. I mean, I love what he says. I, mean, I love how he says, I'm going to change. I'm going to become weak. We were studying that this week in staff, and we said, you know, it's interesting he doesn't say, I'm going to be strong for the weak. I'm going to be the one who has all the answers. I'm going to be the Bible answer man for the world. I'm going to be the righteous one that comes and says, sinner, look at my life. He says, I'm going to get right next to the broken. And those who are weak, I'm going to be weak. And those who are in despair, I'm just going to just weep with them. See, I'm going to become all things to all people that I might win some. He's saying not this to become accepted. He's not saying I'm going to be a chameleon. He's not saying I'm just going to change to whoever's around me. He's not doing this so he'll be liked because he's spineless. But he's doing this, he's entering into their world to win some for Christ. I wrote down this phrase, I, I, I passed it by the uh, staff, and I said, can I use this or is it too hokey? I got the thumbs up, so hopefully it's not too hokey. He says, you got to be winsome to win some. I mean, the reality of Christianity is this, is that we know that we're radically loved by an incredible Savior who loves sinners like us and sets us free. And the only distinction between us and the lost world is God's grace in the blood of Christ. And we need to be winsome. We don't need to go out with our Bibles and beat people over the heads and point our fingers and tell them how awful and rotten they are. We need to get next to him and say, I, I want to I tell you about some really, really good news. That if God could love a sinner like me, if he can love a wanderer like me, he can love you. And I'm going to enter into your life and I want to become all things to all people that we have the privilege of winning some for Christ. It's applying the gospel. 
That means to tomorrow. Listen, tomorrow you need to wake up and remember that you're loved. And tomorrow you got to wake up and remember that you're, you've been freed. But tomorrow you got to wake up and you got to apply the good news of the gospel to all of your life. And that is Jesus. Can I tell you how much I just have struggled with this? Let me just, let me just tell you. I went to bed last night and I woke up this morning thinking, man, can you give me something else? Because you want me to stand up and tell people that are really in darkness and really hurting that their hope should be in Jesus alone? I mean, some of these people have some issues. Me too. And some of us go through, I'm just going to say, Jesus should be your hope? Can't you give me like three other good nuggets? I mean, here's the bottom line. Love Jesus, floss, brush, and something. Do we really believe he's enough? I mean, do we really think that the answers for the world, seriously, are we that simple that we think the answers for this world gone crazy is the kingdom coming of Jesus Christ? Do we really believe that the hope for your marriage is Jesus? Do we really believe that the hope for your addictions is Jesus? Do we really believe that the hope of our wayward kids are Jesus? Do we really believe that that world peace is only going to come when Christ and the fullness of his kingdom come? Do we really believe it? Because I want to tell you, church, I think we've been bamboozled not to. I think we think it's Jesus and. It's not. And Paul was saying, I want, to, I want to know nothing, nothing but Christ and him crucified. And that has so changed me. I've got to share it with everybody. And that's becoming all things to all people and sharing in the blessings of Christ, sharing the blessings of the gospel. What are the blessings of Christ? Being in Christ Jesus. Let me give you three. It's a blessing of being set free. And Galatians 5.1 says this, it says, because of the work of Christ, we are free and free indeed. It's basically saying there's nothing in your life in the past, present, or future that will separate you from a holy God if you're in Christ Jesus. He really has paid the whole bill. And you really are free. And the reality is that some of you, like me, aren't living it. And some of you just live with this guilt. and You live with this stuff, this tape that keeps on playing over and over and over again. It says, loser, loser, loser. Throw that thing out and go to the gospel and realize that in Christ Jesus, you are free. That's the blessings of the gospel. You think, you think that our world needs to be freed? You think you do? I do? The church does? It's the blessings of being alive. Ephesians 2, 1 tells us, listen, we're all dead in our trespasses and sin apart from Christ. All of us are just hopeless apart from Jesus. But by God's grace, God who's rich in mercy, in 2.5, he said, he has made us, ready for this, he has made us alive in Christ Jesus. He's given us new natures. He's given us life eternal in Christ. What are the blessings of being in Christ? It's being free. It's being alive. Alive in a world that's dying. That God loves you and is for you. Alive. That, and there's the last thing is that your life is fruitful. In John 15, Jesus says, I'm the vine. And if you're in me, you're the branches. And, and in me, you're going to bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. But in me, you can do all things. That Your life matters. Your life counts. In Christ Jesus, 
What you do now and tomorrow until you see him makes a difference. It's fruitful. What does this mean for you and me? Are we seeing the world, our world and the world around us, through one lens of the gospel? Are you applying the gospel to all things in your world? Get the wisdom of the world, but put every single thing through the lens of the gospel. Is your hope in Christ and nothing else? Are you sharing the blessings of the gospel? What does that look like? Share your life. Give away good news. God has given to you something that is unbelievably valuable. And you're not going to lose it if you're in Christ Jesus. You'll never lose it. All right? Don't fear. And the more you give it away, the more you're going to love it. And the more you're going to give it away, the more you're going to realize, oh my goodness, what a joy. Give your life away. Become all things to all people to win some for Christ Jesus. If I told you I base my hope on John F. Kennedy, you'd say, Jakes, you're nuts. He's an assassinated president. But scripture says, base your hope on Jesus. He is an executed king. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He he triumphed over death. He really broke the power and the chains of our sin. He's given us new life. He lives to intercede for us. And he reigns at the Father's right hand. And he's coming back. So base your hope there. Base your life there. Live your life there. He truly is our hope. Paul looked at the philosophies of the day. He looked at all that all was offered. He says, I come to you with Jesus. This is all I have. Orangewood, this is all I got. This is all we need. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for your word to us this morning. The reminder that Jesus is the very power of God, that Jesus is the wisdom of God, that amazingly that as we are in Christ, Jesus is our wisdom, that Jesus is our righteousness, that Jesus is our sanctification, and Jesus is our redemption. Because of that reality, may we, like Paul, say we know nothing else. Nothing. We, we are not going to rest on anything else. We're not going to hope in anything else. We're not going to say Jesus plus anything. And God, you're not calling us to be simpletons. And you're not calling us not to see the world around us and even understand the worldviews around us. As a matter of fact, you're doing the opposite. You want us to take every thought captive. But you want our hope to be built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Father, I think that the church has been bamboozled. I think that somehow we live in a time and an age like Paul that we think it's Jesus plus something else. God, if the church doesn't believe that the hope for the Middle East is thy kingdom coming and thy will be done, if the church doesn't believe that Jesus is the answer and the hope of the world, We're lost. We've lost. We're no longer salt. We're no longer light. Jesus, if if we don't believe 
that you're the hope for our marriages and you're the hope for our children and you're the hope for our careers and you're the hope for our addictions and you're the hope for all that is dark inside of us. If we think it's you and something else, we're lost. But the reality is that some of us sit in a lot of darkness right now. And some of us want to cry out saying, I know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. Help me. And Jesus, I thank you that that darkness is light to you. And I thank you that, Jesus, you are the one who became all things to all people. So by all means, you would truly save your own. Spirit of living God, come. Come and fix our eyes on Jesus. And may we know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified as we become all things to all people to share in the blessings of the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.